Hi, um, this is Margaret Cho. Uh, you're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Jim, we're in the Largo upstairs dressing room. Uh, we're waiting for Neil Finn, and uh, I'm real nervous. Yes, it's. Um, uh, we keep hearing footsteps coming up the steps. It's real ominous. Up the staircase, and it's like, oh, is it? Him? And it's not. It's like false alarm each time. It's a false Neil Finn alarm. But we wait. I, I mean, you know, he's had a busy day because he already did a, a concert today on um, on KCRW, which I listened to, which was great. And um, he's being backed up by the section, which are um, these great, great string uh, quartet musician friends of mine who I've worked with um, a number of times now and will be working with on my new record. And uh, uh, so uh, Eric Gorfain and, and all these guys, are, they're really, really great musicians. So it's its funny because it's like I, I, I think he and I sort of share some band members like Wilco. Yeah. Also, and these guys. So um, it's almost like we're in a band. Yeah, it's like you're like in a big sort of a, a super group. It's like a very, very like extensive super group. A very super, super group. That with very, it's like a very flexible policy, like who's in at the moment. Yes. And you know, yeah, and but everybody just plays, plays and makes great music together. It's really, it's really cool, and tonight's going to be great. And um, so we're sitting here, we're waiting, and I'm so. Are you uh, freaked out? I'm freaked out. But you, you do know Neil. Yeah, I do. So it's like freaky, but it's really, um, you know, it's like I keep looking at the shadows, like kind of uh, outside the door, and. You know, my ears are pricked up really to high, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like really like trying to be tuned into everything going on yeah. every moment, like mm-hmm. what's happening, what's happening. Because we're in a room and the staircase is outside. It is almost horror movie like, except that it's not going to be horrible. No, it's, it's going to be gonna lovely. Be, it's going to be lovely. But you're still a bit freaked out about meeting, not not meeting, you already met him, but getting to sit down and chat with chat an, an idol. Yes. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> But so here's your microphone, Sweet. and uh, we've already did an, an introduction. We did a little little pre oh. a pre intro thing. Oh, you, yeah. always, you just uh, did you anticipate what I'd be wearing and everything or not? No, we didn't get to the color commentary okay. section. Good, but if, if um, you'd like to explain, uh, I spent well, a long time off, thinking about it. Yeah. actually, yeah, like <laughs> the five minutes when I was back at the hotel rushing to get ready. A funny thing happened at the hotel when I got back there, and I don't know whether this is the preamble or the actual. Um, talk this is the talk but go ahead this is the talk we're having yes go ahead i go back to the hotel and i get i'm sort of rushing because we just got back from santa monica and i'm needing to get down here and um get my clothes for tonight and make sure i don't forget anything so i get up to my room and the elevator is full of workmen and it goes up and down three times with people with sanders and stuff and i finally get onto it and there's a wall being put up in the corridor and i go totally disoriented what the hell is my room is just beyond the wall Mm. the wall looks really secure oh (laughs) This is since this morning. They just put a wall up? They put a wall up in the corridor, yeah. And so I'm going, this is very odd, and there's probably a good explanation for it. But I yelled, and the, but the guy behind the wall says, oh, we had to put a wall up because we're working too much dust. Oh. And so I had to go around the long way back to my room, and uh, then there was no water in my room, and it's almost a then-I-found-$20 kind of story, but... Oh, that I, I hate that because you want the hotel to be it's sort of the only safe place we have. It was a little it felt like an like an intrusion in a way. Yeah, and they didn't tell me and there was just a wall in the corridor and my room was just on the other side of it. It was like a dream that you'd had. Yeah. It's sort of strange. Is that, so they're just putting up a, a, a temporary wall to they keep a, to a keep the dust out or is to it keep like the dust out, but a post story where there's somebody behind the wall 
there was a guy behind the wall. I don't know what he was doing. I just had visions because there was a wall that my room was completely gutted. Yeah, and mm. they would, you know, all my stuff had been thrown out. <laughs> it turns out that wasn't quite that bad. There was no, there was no water, which was slightly. Uh, that's, oh, the, the that's water was turned off. So water was turned off, and yeah, had I wanted a shower, I wouldn't have had one. And these, are, it would have been one of those um, things that musicians could spit the dummy about. Because yes. they're spoiled brats. <laughs> but who who would have thrown who would have thrown a fit? I didn't. Oh, there'd be plenty of people. plenty of them, right? There was a big party there the other night. This was at the Sunset Marquee. Um, it was celebrating fifty years or something. Mm-hmm. I've been going there, staying there for thirty-five years now. So um, I remember. But uh, yeah, and apparently it was an absolute um, debacle. You know, debauchery like days of old. Mm-hmm. But now, when you you get to the Sunset Marquee, they make you sign a document saying you won't party in your room. So that's doesn't really what, add up. what what consists of part because I can I can picture like Led Zeppelin level of like we don't want that but yeah what's is it what's acceptable a couple of mates over a bit of a chat or is somebody going to come knock on the door and like put up a wall outside and leave you in there <laughs> <laughs> the wall was a real, that was really a big turn <laughs> that sounds mm-hmm. that sounds very ominous that's very really like you know we're going to wall people in and like that's what happens to people who break the uh, signed contract of, of no parties. It's like a sci-fi TV program where I'd suddenly entered a new reality and yeah. my room didn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but thankfully, I'm now um, down at Largo, which is my home away from home anyway. So Yes. Well, it's um, you have many of these, though, these, these, these places. I think we have... I don't know. We have uh, touchstones in different towns. I think this is, this is one, Largo's mm-hmm. one. Um, certainly, um, the McKittrick... I, I was supposed to be playing the McKittrick in New York, but we couldn't load in till eleven, so we couldn't end up doing it. But apparently, that's a great room. It is. It is. It is. It's um. It's where they do. Where David does his show there. Oh, okay. So David, um, it, it's mm. it's a very um. It's it's a the I think location of Sleep No More, which is a very uh intense production of Macbeth. Oh yeah. Environmental okay. production, and um, our friend David Garza is there. Um, but uh, also there's also in London there's White City. Can't avoid going to White City when you go to London. Right. I haven't been there. You haven't? It's where oh, the, the BBC is. Oh, White City to... BBC. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a club. No, no. It no. sounded like it sounded like the yeah. happening place to go. No. Well, it is, and it is not. No, is I it, have been to White City. Yeah. Yes. Done so. many many a thing there actually over the years. And then uh, there's the um, yeah I've seen you at White City and I've seen you in um, at the Corn Exchange in Edinburgh. Yes. Yes. Um, Good room. Yes, and. Uh, I mean, I've seen you so many a million places, but these are these touchstones that we have to yeah. come, like Largo. Well, they're nice. They're nice. I mean, it's a it's surprisingly small world. Um, this the, last night in the hotel lobby, as so I was going from the restaurant to the my room, I was standing by the elevator, and within five minutes, three different people that I knew want, wandered past independently. They went with each other. People from touring, people from musicians I'd played with. Mm. So yeah, in, living in New Zealand, you sort of never see anybody really. Right. But, but um, you're ten minutes in Los Angeles, and you've seen. <laughs> actually, it's the same people. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they keep recurring, which is nice. And certainly Largo is like that, isn't it? It's like a little community that moves around. Largo yeah. And yeah. Yourself and John Bryan and. Of course. Many, you know, uh, actually, Grantley Phillips is coming tonight. He was oh, good. The one, he was the one who brought me here for the first time. Oh, Grant is wonderful. Yeah, 15 Grant, years ago. Grant is great. I think um, his father, is his father okay? His father is uh, sick, I, I think. I think his father isn't well. Um, yeah, it's hard. I'm, I'm not sure what the status is there, but that's why he's back in town, because I think he lives in Nashville now. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Um, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, um, he's a really, really lovely man, very talented man. Yes, and um, he's... Uh, 
uh, he he's had a rough crazy year he broke his foot in norway and um he yeah he so he was kind of not walking for a little bit and then um then he you know so he came back here and then uh so i haven't seen him since his foot is better so it's gonna be nice to see him walking around yeah well if you're gonna break your foot anyway you might as well be norway it, sh it. it should be it should be yeah they're a that's hiking a good place. people aren't they <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore. It's so hard to to hike in Norway. You might do some. You might break a leg. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a he's a cautionary tale. Yes. Yes. Grant. That's I right. I don't see him as a hiker. No. Well, I, I think... really see him as a hiker. Yeah. Well, well, there must have been something else going. Maybe maybe. Uh... It, he was once. He was on stage and he broke his foot. He stepped oh. on it wrong. That's oh, really? almost better. Yeah. I so... walked off the front of stage once. Um. <gasps> in a in a dream, actually singing "Don't Dream It's Over" with an acoustic guitar, and it was a sh there was no front there was no orchestra you know you know it's often on a stage there's the monitors and then there's a little bit that you can wander out and, mm -hmm. and you know carouse with the audience but there was none no such thing beyond the monitors and i just and i was getting lit by the spotlight so i just walked clean off the stage <gasps> and it was such a surprise to me that i kind of landed quite well mm -hmm. and i just remember the front row all leaping out of their seats to try and catch me but i wasn't it wasn't necessary because i actually landed really well and continued singing wow um, only because i I was completely not expecting it, so my body was very relaxed. And uh, afterwards, people came out and said, that was a great trick. Great oh, <laughs> well, I'm was glad it, you're it, okay. Was this pre-YouTube like YouTube era where people could have caught it and, and, and videoed yeah, it, it and put it up? So everybody would expect it after that. Yeah, I don't know. No, nobody recorded as far as I'm aware. Now it's just a great legend for those who, who got it, which is nice that only those people got to see it. Yeah, it is nice when some things only happen in the moment and yeah. aren't recorded for all posterity. Mm -hmm. um, that is a modern uh, phenomenon, which is neither good nor bad, it just is, but... Yeah, it, but it, it's nice that it gives it just just for those people. Yeah, who then get to say, "Oh, I, oh no, I was there. I That's saw. Right. I saw him. I saw him do this amazing trick yeah. where he fell off the stage and didn't miss didn't miss anything. Didn't miss a trick. Yeah, and and." I haven't really embellished the story. It's that that's that's what happened. So, well, I've seen I've seen um, in the YouTube of my mind. I'll go back and think of all the things that I've seen you do. Uh, one time where I thought you would be in physical harm was <laughs> when you were leaving the Golden Gate show, Golden Gate Park show. You did an outdoor gig yeah. uh, with Crowded House, and um, you were getting into the limousine, and it uh, uh, people were climbing on top of it and jumping on top of the uh, car. I remember that actually. What yes. was it like to be inside? There was only a few moments of that kind of, um, you know, hysteria that I can remember. And, um, oh, that was fun. We were all having a really good time. I think it helps when you're having a really good time. I think if yeah. you're having some sort of a dark day where you're not enjoying um, your your success, God knows why you would be having a dark day, <laughs> but you do sometimes, then maybe that would be, you'd feel a little cowed or intimidated by that kind of experience but we we just enjoyed it it was fun people were nice yes they're a lovely bunch up in san francisco you know yeah. they're friendly people yes they weren't um they, they were all nice clean teeth there was no <laughs> that, it happened once there was once leaving a the most extreme it was ever with, with was with split ends in melbourne and we did a show an under 18 show at the festival hall and our car was parked quite some distance away mm -hmm. uh from for one reason or another and we came out the back and there was a bevy of probably 200 um, young girls who were waiting for us. We had had a big hit at the time, so there was a little teen hysteria attached. And I had to get to my car, and it was like at least 500 metres away. Mm -hmm. And I tried to sneak, and they spotted me as I was about 20 yards, 20 metres on the journey. And we literally had to run to get to the car. It was really kind of fun too, really. But it's very Beatles. Scary. 
it was a bit Beatles. I had my little Beatles moment. Yeah. 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 Was that which um, which area of split ends was it? Um, was it the the Kentucky Fried Chicken ties? You know the the black ties that um, with the oh, yeah. bright colored. I think you had the blue the string suit. ties. It probably string was ties? that time. That was kind of I got you time, and we were slightly less um, commedia dell'arte and a little bit more. I don't know what the hell we were actually, but we kind of <laughs> somehow became objects of desire for young girls from being completely asexual beings that just attracted all the weird people. So. But it was it was really um, unique and powerful for the time. I remember you watching you when you did American Bandstand, and it was such a departure from what was happening in music, and it was so exciting. And Solid Gold, too, and Fridays. Solid Gold. We had the Solid Gold dancers. <laughs> did they, 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 I, I couldn't even look at the dancers. Did they, did they, did they show you what they were going to do before? We didn't know. We were kind of a little naive, I think. I don't know if we would have done it any differently, but because we came from New Zealand, we'd come to town and the record company would say, you've got to do Solid Gold, it's so great, we got this show for you, you know, it's the biggest rating show, and, and then you turn up and you find that, you're, that they've put these dancers on to, to join you and, and you're scratching your head going, something about this feels a bit wrong. But, um, <laughs> it, doesn't, but yeah, it really doesn't work at all. But it, you just when do you put it that mind you just get on with it and you have a image. laugh because you're a band and you laugh about the things that, funny things that happen to you on the road. And, mm-hmm. and then later on you see it on YouTube. I wonder if it is. It probably is on YouTube. Most things are. And you go, what were we thinking? Why, why did we not get really, um, you know, precious about things back then and represent ourselves but you know probably didn't do that much harm either for that matter no it was great it's kind of fun but it's how it's funny though how the tv people just still don't they just didn't get any different kind of music at all like they just think it's so universal you can put the dancers on yeah and and it'll all work i know well it was completely wrong yeah but uh, marilyn mccoo was the host at the time i remember and she had a really strange outfit on that was all with bits of material hanging all over it and Eddie Rayner, our keyboard player, who was known for being slightly irreverent, um, said to her on air when she was interviewing us, he said, oh, that's a great dress. We'd, how'd you get the rails out? <laughs> Which was a good, quite nice moment. She didn't get it. Which, oh, straight over her head. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Eddie Rayner is um, supposedly the first person who ever did the moonwalk on film. Really? Yes, this is a strange fact. Who told you that? This is on uh, Wikipedia. Eddie Rayner. Eddie Rayner. Um, it's in the... Uh, uh, one step ahead video where he does the moonwalk uh, preceding Michael Jackson by a number of years. Is that in which Wikipedia entry is that? Because that's quite significant. I'll have to look at that. I believe it's a Wikipedia entry for the song One Step Ahead. Okay. Uh, it's not like acknowledged on the Michael Jackson site as being no, an me- early inspiration. I think they've, they've, they've probably taken all those references out because they want him to be the inventor, but I think it was Eddie Rayner. Well, I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean, on my Wikipedia entry, it says that my main songwriting influences are Joan Baez and John Denver. So mm. somebody thought that was a witty thing to put on my site, and I haven't <laughs> bothered to try and get it off there. Because it's all, it's all true. Everything on Wikipedia is true, right? Oh, mm. Anybody yeah, has someone. access to it, right? So Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, Most maybe, of it's true, but yeah. there's, yeah, there's, I think there's people who delight in, in slightly altering things. Like mine's only slightly altered, so it probably has a better chance of staying there you know mm-hmm. it's like when you you work subtly on a painting in a hotel and then you come back three years later and it hasn't nobody's noticed you know you draw mm-hmm. a, an appendage on a 
figure in the background or <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, on, on the on the artwork we in the room. Do, we used to do that back in the day. Well, Noel Crombie used to bring special pens on the road in order to do that. But he'd do it quite subtly so that you wouldn't immediately pick it up. But he'd just draw, you know, um, inappropriate things. And then you'd, yeah, you'd literally you'd come back in a year's time and it'd still be there. No one had noticed. That's great. Yeah, it's it comforting. Was, it, it felt good. Yeah. And, and, you know, possibly a little disappointing that no one noticed, but <laughs> nevertheless. Well, that's great. I think it's great. I think um, Noel is, uh, he's also responsible for creating all of the Comedia del Arte outfits and the design of he, original split ends. He, he was a Look. great seamster. Is that the word for a Seem- man? That's a seamster? A seamster rather than a seamstress? Seamster. Maybe seamster. Um, a uh, haberdasher? Oh. No, that's a little Is a little that more hat? I think. Hat? Milliner? No. But there was there was not hats, but there was a lot of shoulder pads and ruffs. We we had um, and the thing was about the early split ends costumes is that they actually were really quite well, they fitted well and they were quite they had narrow legs and they looked quite cool even though they were very odd. As time went on, Noel got less and less concerned about making costumes that fitted us, and we got a, started to get a little um, shirty about it really because they'd turn up and they'd just be these big baggy things that you'd put on, and they looked they were great <laughs> materials. I'm really not putting in, I'm not, um, I'd, I'd never say a bad word about Noel, he's a giant amongst men. He possibly is God, but um, he's... <laughs> but he's, the workmanship suffered at some point, is what you're saying. Well, he yes. just didn't really care about us looking good. Well, He, he may just have, wanted to impose his art on us. You know? Right. He might have been sick of sewing those diamonds together. There may have been some detail that was really laborious and he was trying to avoid. I would There's say. a lot of detail in those costumes. That there it, certainly was. They're really, they should be in the V&A. Are they in the V&A? They are. Actually, in the um, there's some in the uh, is that the one in Melbourne you're talking about? Um, the one in uh, London. Uh, no, the fashion we haven't one. graduated to that yet, but we are in the one. And there's a performing arts museum in Melbourne that has a good stock of of Noel's costumes. Oh, that's great. Well preserved, and yeah, no, they were they were pretty magnificent, and he was uh, a true original. Yes, I like the he is the a white. True original. Yes, they, he really. I like the white and black uh, face from Boldest Brass. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, they were, I was very fond of those ones too. And uh, yeah, they're probably my favourites, in fact. The black, white and greys that we had. There was a bit of excitement every time you'd turn up to a new tour and Noel would have a new set of costumes because you wouldn't see them until the first night. Yeah. And everyone tries them on. There's a little bit of envy would creep in. Somebody would have a slightly better one than you. <laughs> and the other thing that was great about those days, the thing as we're talking about it, is that we wore a lot of makeup. Um, in the early days especially, but it was very heavy theatrical makeup and I, I never probably cleaned it off properly, so um, God knows what damage it did to my skin. But it was a great ritual getting ready when you have to put makeup on and, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there all together and you've got costumes and there's something really fantastic about that as a preamble to being on stage. You know? Yes, yes. I, I slightly miss that. It's beautiful. It was it was really uh, it, it was a really good time. But yeah, my favorite was when it sort of turned into white and black, and then it became a con- kind of um, maybe you look like conductors a little bit, like a it was very very um, orchestral look yeah. looking, but also uh, f- freaky. It's hard to know how it hit other people because we were within the, that little aesthetic bubble, and um, you know it, we were surprised when we came to America and people were calling us new a new wave band and even a punk band at times because we didn't feel in any way bound to that mm-hmm. um certainly not punk um and new wave no. was kind of an invention anyway it sort of i don't know where that came from exactly but uh, i don't know that there was any social movement that you would say was a new wave movement i think it was fashion by then but we were lumped in with all of that and looking back i guess i can understand why but 
Um, we, we didn't set out to be. But it was art. And um, I love also in the phase of Crowded House with the painted jackets, which I think are stolen. The painted jackets with the... Um, you mean they had been stolen? They had been stolen, right? The, the the painted ones? They maybe had been. I'm not sure what the... You mean before Noel, before Nick painted them? Um, no, after Nick painted them. Weren't they stolen? I think they were stolen in Las Vegas I at a hotel they room. They might have been, actually, yeah, now that you come to mention it. Those original ones might have been, yeah. Yeah. They were really... They were very nice. Nick used to do spend a long time painting our jackets at that point, and, you know, they, they were good. I think we came up with an um, appreciation of having making an effort and having some kind of image... And uh, Nick was an art student, and he, you know, he, he kept, to some extent, although it didn't look like Split Ends, was paying some kind of homage to that idea that mm. if you were a band, you made an effort, you know, you, yeah, yeah, you got got dressed. Well, there was a beautiful <laughs> quality to all of those uh, early Crowded House videos. It was it was very dollhouse. It was like you were, um, you 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 were figures in a dollhouse, and sort mm. of very unique. Thing um, so different from anything that was happening then musically too. Music musically was very important to me, but also visually it was really exciting. Oh well, I'm, yeah. I, I, I thank you for your kind words. I think at that time when 1985 it was when Crowded House sort of had our well, 86 probably by the time the record started to get noticed. There was a bit of a it was a real in between time and music, wasn't it? It was a real. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of the big hair bands were around. Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember rehearsing in Burbank before our first album, and we were in a rehearsal studio with five other bands, and every one of them was one of those bands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think at least two or three of them were doing showcases, which all the, the bands did in those days. They only really existed for to rehearse, to get dressed and made up, to, to have a light show put around them and a big PA, and then they'd invite like three or four record company dudes in, mm -hmm. and they'd do a showcase for these guys to get signed to be the next Poison or the next, you know, mm -hmm. Rat or whatever it was uh, oh. at the time. But it was pretty hilarious to come to work every day, rehearsing our little pop songs, and there was just all this hysterical shrieking going on and you know, <laughs> um, really bad rolling guitar effects. I think they came in around that time. So all the guitars sounded like they'd gone through some kind of digital... Blender. But that's um well stupid side note. I was just thinking about Rhett, who's a friend of us. Uh, uh Rhett, uh, I I'm sorry, Stephen Percy, but I was so high, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I texted him my wrong number three times. My wrong number. Three different numbers or three, the same no, number the three times. Three different times I texted him and I, the wrong number three times. Do you think he's slightly getting got the message that you don't want to talk to him? <laughs> We sent me a vintage uh, rat T-shirt. Oh. But but I would have to say if you if you texted him, your right number is on the <laughs> would have gone to him. So right. I think maybe the both of you can share the blame on that one. I think so. Well, you've released your burden now too. <laughs> yeah, yes. you've done it in public, and you, now you just text him back with your right number, and yeah. they say the number that, that this is from is actually my right number. See. It's worth it for an old vintage rat T-shirt, though. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good. Um, I saw you guys at Crowded House. Uh, the first time I saw you live was, I think it was Wolfgang's, the first go-around um, in uh, mm -hmm. San Francisco. So that may have been 92, do you think? Yeah, I remember playing Wolfgang's. I don't remember the year, though. But um, Then yeah. you came back the same year, and you did another show at the... Uh, um, what the. Yeah, San Francisco, the wall, uh, the, the Warfield? Warfield. 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 The Warfield. The Warfield. There's a few of them. Wilton, Warfield. Yeah, the Warfield. All Warfield. The, all the good it's a lovely room. Yes. And, and, uh, but the Wolfgang's had burned down. And then, um, so I, I, I then the Warfield, you did, but it was the, the Don't Dream Is Over was a big hit. 
And so you came back for, yeah, the other mm. show at the Warfield. And I remember, and I met, um, I met, I must have met Nick there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not meet you until a little bit later. I met you here at the other Largo. Oh, and yeah. Denise, um, Grantley's wife, introduced us. Yeah. And I was so excited. It was the most, because um, I had been, I, I had been a fan since like ni- 1978. So you're not old enough to be a fan. I'm 45. <laughs> alive I'm 45. Well, you know, that's I wouldn't have thought so. Do, do good discerning <laughs> taste from back then. Well, I remember I grew up in Brisbane, so I remember oh, seeing right. we well they be, they ended up in the states being called videos, but I, we mm. called them film clips film at clips. the time. Yeah, film but clip. but it was such a well, big they were thing shot in on film. Weren't yeah, they? yeah, thing. music, music, uh, and I remember I was telling Margaret the other day I was watching the early split ends videos. Mm. Or film clips because they'd play them on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. There was a, it was a big strong music thing though about just how striking it was at that time too. It was so different from anything. Well, there was that around that sort of eighty mid eighties was when video video or film clips as we called mm-hmm. them. And then in, in the seventies too, it there was, was a few like, around yeah. then, but they weren't. There was almost like there was not enough around to make it a thing. Yeah. Um, and in the eighties, suddenly everybody when had it to became have a film huge. Clip. Yeah. Well, in the beginning of MTV and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We. I think we we had Noel was also responsible for our videos, most of which were really good. I think, and he because he always had kind of skewed perspective on the way things looked and made simple ideas, you know, that weren't. But they just had nice twists to them, and he, he was pretty good. They're at it. They're beautiful videos. What I love about the quality of it is so um, not cynical. It's uncynical. It's un not jaded. It's so pure. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm really proud of the most of them. There's, I'm a little embarrassed about the way I overacted in the I Got You clip, but it's okay. <laughs> I was so hammy in that clip. It's kind of ridiculous, really. But it's a, it's an intense song. It's yeah. Well, I did, I did a kind of, I did some a look to camera, which I've never done since, and uh, it was kind of on the, um, what is it on? When I'm not the, I don't know why sometimes I get frightened. There was. But something's wrong, and I kind of flashed it. <laughs> we'll have to told, get that on video. <laughs> and, and it did a really hammy look to camera. But apparently, some girls thought that was quite, you know, quite appealing. Yes, yes. So, you know, well, this goes to show. It's great. I love New, the song. New Zealanders are not good at being extrovert or um, really selling themselves to the camera. It's mm-hmm. changed now. New Zealanders are generally more confident. Now I think, but at the time, and even split ends was part of the reason I think we were so extreme to look at. It was a way of rebelling and being really forthright and believing in yourself by being completely somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. like by inventing a character or a personality. Right. Mm-hmm. The idea of being so confident—I mean, it always seemed like Americans seemed so confident to us, and so, you know, and and even to the extent that people had boyfriends and girlfriends when they were 10 or 11 years old and it was talked about and that seemed incomprehensible mm. to us as kids yeah you know yeah. like there was a there was a culture that was of sort of sophistication sort of sophistication kind of yeah but that's um it, it's uh it's so different like i i just um don't i had to cancel my new zealand tours we had to cancel our tour because i had to go back to another job well you were in melbourne not long ago what yes. in australia when, i was yeah. in australia and then we were going to go on and do shows in auckland yeah. and um, this is right after your tour with paul kelly yeah so I think you probably would have been back, but I think yeah. um, we we were. I was just destroyed. <laughs> I could, not getting to go. Make it yeah, over it's, there. it's still there. It's still there. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm gonna come. You know what? I want to record at Roundhead. I'd, I'd love to have you there. I would fantastic. love. To, you would, would love, love it there. It's a great studio. I love the way that. Um, well, we are we are good friends with Wilco, and yeah. uh, they they uh, it sounds the the record that they did there sounds great. And we just had uh, Glenn and John on our show last week. Oh, they're lovely so, men. They're what wonderful. Lovely, they love you. 
Well, it's, I send it right back to them. I love them too. They're fantastic, but they're yeah. they're 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 so great. And um, you know, it, it, the the Roundhead to me is just like, oh, mm. I, I I can't wait to go there. So we're gonna rebook the tour. We'll go back and make a record well, deck. You'll be made to feel very welcome anytime you want to come. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. It's a it's a that's a great film to the whole. All the seven worlds collide projects are so fantastic. So, it was so intense those things. I can't believe some. When I look at it, I think, how did we do that in three weeks? I'm, I'm kind of blows my mind, really. It's incredible, and everybody is so amazing. Johnny Marr and and mm. um, Sebastian and and everybody. It's it, a great cast of characters. Isn't so it? cool. <laughs> really good. It's so cool. Are there? Is there going to be an element of that? Now, uh, Neil's doing a show tonight, and here he is um, coming to this country to. Uh, you're doing a sort of a setup. Your your album comes out. Dizzy Heights comes out on in February. Yeah. And all the songs that I heard this morning, these premieres, mm -hmm. uh, were all amazing. And I love the new video for Dive Bomber. It's I very made that beautiful. I that video but, um, on holiday, basically. I shot all that. and uh, Oh, you did? Sort of edited it myself as well. And it, if I had known what a saga it was going to be, I probably would have not done it. But it was, it, it, you know, I'm really kind of pleased with it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's homemade. It's really, it's a really incredible video. And it, it goes you. so well with the song, which is... The yes, song is so atmosphere, yeah. beautiful. Well, the song is, I, I kind of wanted to break with tradition a little bit because usually what happens with albums is that between the record company and, and, I'm, and I'm party to it as well, obviously, it's usually the most conservative song on the album is chosen as the first single because people go, mm -hmm. well, this is the safest choice. And I just wanted to go with one that was a, a statement of itself with no thought whatsoever to it being suitable for radio it obviously wasn't going to get played on radio but i was really proud of it and it sounded like something different that i'd ever done before so yeah i'm happy it went out first it's really epic it's very um the chords on it there's a lot i don't know what it's so uh it's it's like watercolors and and very it's dreamlike and and really i mean it's just so cinematic and and epic and Thank you. They're I'm good excited. adjectives. I'll take them. I love them. And I love uh, <laughs> Recluse that I heard this morning. Oh, yeah. I like, yeah. Um, like a stray dog kissing a statue. I, you know, I've, I'm embarrassed to admit there's not actual words. I had to change them for KCLW because they read. Um, Ariana came in and said they're very tight on that program mm -hmm. with anything profane. And the actual line is like a stray dog pissing on a statue. Oh. And she heard that in rehearsal and said, look, I just. We'll get. We just got busted this morning for for somebody saying shit on air. Oh, it'll just really be bad for us if you. So I changed the line. Oh, how funny that you actually really liked it. I like it. <laughs> but you think about how sad that is, though. Change it. But no. it's it's like it is pissing on a statue is good, but it's it's kissing a statue is so it's, sad. It's almost better, isn't it? It's. It's, yeah. it's, I'll ponder that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I, I, I don't know. Today is my dead dog's birthday. Oh. My dead dog would have been 20 today had he li lived. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, that's, what do you think he would have preferred? Would he have preferred kissing a statue or, or pissing on one? Well, my dog would have never kissed. Uh, he he, he, no, he would have kissed a statue. He wouldn't have pissed on it. No, dogs, I guess dogs do kiss. They kind of kiss anyway, don't they? They kind of, they nuzzle. They nuzzle. I don't really imagine that a dog. I guess have I been kissed by a dog? I've been licked by a dog, but kissed. I I think of them as kisses, the little the little licks. Yeah, I guess they are. They are in in the real real sense of the word. Dogs are so love humans, don't they? I mean, they for some do. strange reason. They, they do. Humans don't really deserve it in a lot. Well, they do actually. I shouldn't say because dog owners are always very loving and not always. Sometimes very, mostly very loving. Well, I I always I lo my favorite song of yours is Lester. Ah, yes. Well, I, that's. A song, considering it was never appeared on, 
Or maybe it was on the Rarities record, actually, but it, more people know about that one than you would expect because I think, yeah, it resonates for dog, anyone that's got a dog. Mm-hmm. It's about our, we had a dog called Lester just for the benefit of those that don't know the story. Uh, he was a Dalmatian and he was a lovely dog, died of old age, had a very good life, but he got run over when he was one year, year old and really badly knocked around and I stood in the vets and sort of assisted the vet on a Sunday afternoon and wrote a song, Lester, about that. Um, uh, it, the chorus was, I will change if Lester lives, not mess him around just because I own him. And that was my little pledge to Lester that, mm-hmm. you know, I realised that I, that I loved him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Well, it's really beautiful. He, my, Mitchell Froome thought I was talking about my manservant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, your which valet, was, which is a very dark thing to think, <laughs> to think that I own somebody. Is, you know, I don't even want to go there, but yeah, it's he, so Downton. He, it is very Downton, and he was. I think he was being facetious, but yeah, it sounds like your manservant. <laughs> Everybody just wants to read into every every lyricist is so dissected, though, right? Well, I, I'm. I'm pleasantly surprised many times by the meanings that people put on um, songs. Uh, actually, not the least this morning on KCRW, Chris Doritas was um, asking about Seven Worlds Collide, both the line and the concept and all sorts of things, and I was explaining to him that I didn't really know what that line meant when I wrote it. It just sounded good, and it seemed to suggest good things. And then a friend of mine who's into psychic stuff came up sort of with their eyes aglow and said... Do you realise what you wrote there? Like it's the seven worlds, the seven the sisters of Pleiades, and were giving me lots of credit for things that I hadn't really intended. So hmm. I kind of like the leaving with lyrics. I, I like the idea of leaving a few doors open for people, and half the time, at least, I don't really know what I'm, where they come from. But I kind of trust the subconscious to dish up things that have an element of truth mixed in with, um, you know, a bit of willful obscurity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mind. That's what I like. I, well, I don't want to listen to a whole song to learn exactly what the guy means yeah. or the girl means. I want to get images that take me somewhere and then open up other thoughts. And that's the way I listen to music when I grew up, and that's the way I like it. Yeah. Mm. Well, we love your music. And we're looking forward to tonight. And we're looking forward to the record, which mm. comes out in February. And you'll do a tour. You'll, well, hopefully, we'll be able to see you again. I'll be uh, on the road a bit and then going back to another job. But I know you're playing the Orpheum here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. April 2nd. Uh, yep. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait to hear the entire album. And you're going to play tonight with Friends of Mine, the section. The section are coming in, yep. Eric Orphan is great. Yeah, he, they did KCRW with us this morning, or the, the four of them did, and we've got an expanded lineup tonight of nine players. That's incredible. So we should be pre- pre- presenting a pretty sweet sound. Um, and, and then you'll be presenting the whole, the, uh, the, uh, the album in its entirety? Most of the most album. Of it? uh, we're doing seven or eight songs off the album. Um, the album, people may be getting, starting to get the impression that I've done an orchestral album um, because I'm presenting the songs for the first time with strings and not much else. There is, in fact, a, a rock and rhythm section on the record as well. Um, but because the strings were, the arrangements were so nice and there was the idea to do these little showcases stripped down, we thought, well, we'll, we'll make it different. And, um, yeah, it's been a delight. I love, I love when your uh, music is interpreted by strings, though. I love the Enzo record. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful, um, it's a split-end song with an orchestral treatment, and it's really, oh, okay. really fantastic. Yeah, it's fun to do. I mean, just the... 
um, the way that sitting amongst real strings is unlike listening to it on a record that you can really f like I said it this morning and people thought I was being sexual but I was saying the beautiful rubbing of strings is exactly what it is is yeah. that you really feel the texture of them when you sit amongst them so it's a it's you know, true. huge pleasure it's hard to do too I have a I have a cello I have a uh, it's like a viola da gamba and it's a cello with a guitar neck Oh. So it's a cheat, really? a little bit, but you have to bow it, and it's a fucking play, pain. Do you play the, the cello or the violin? I, I know, but I should because I'm Korean. <laughs> so it would be better if I did. All Korean people should be playing. It would just be better yeah. for Korea if I did. But, um, you know, I play the guitar, and I, I do uh, yeah. uh, do wish to play. The cello just looks cool. I just want to be like Jacqueline Dupre. It's a great Dupre. instrument. It really is a beautiful instrument. You mm -hmm. should just bow the guitar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to start. That's a good way to start. I'll because do that. if you put enough effects on it anyway, that sounds kind of freaky and good. So yeah. So just yeah, try that. Start that. that I'll way. do that. Okay. Um, so we can't wait to see your show tonight. And um, people can find out about your uh, your record and your tour. And wh uh, wh where's your website? neilfin.com and people can Simple go on there that. yeah yes. it's got all the info on it i mean i am i do twitter i don't do facebook although there is a facebook site and it's been now taken care of by somebody that has got information so at least it's not a dead end mm -hmm. for people um yeah quite i quite enjoy twitter you're very good on twitter well I, I i i mean i have my moments where it's where i don't i don't feel that motivated but I quite like the idea of the entertainment side of it. I'm less interested in it as a promotional vehicle, although now that I've got a record out, I'm starting to post all the stuff <laughs> up. But I, I just liked, um, I like it because it's uh, it's an opportunity to have an alter ego, ultimately. I, I normally don't like talking about it off. Do, do you find that? I don't know if that's like for anybody else, but I kind of prefer Twitter to stay on Twitter. I don't. Mm -hmm. When people come up to me and say, oh, I read what you wrote on Twitter, I sort of, slightly cringe like I don't really want to deal with it in the real world right know? exactly I'd rather it was this alternate reality and yeah <laughs> it's um, almost like they read one of your thoughts mm -hmm. yeah well I don't want to mm -hmm. be, be be forced into having to be sincere or earnest on Twitter I just prefer right. to be a bit subversive and and in the moment and just and in the moment chuck and, it out there. and to, to say stuff that I might not say in another context so People ask me about it in the real world and I suddenly get uh, self-conscious yeah I get in full-on fights on Twitter I've noticed that I haven't followed the threads on some of those, but I know that there's some some really there's some troublemakers out there, some assholes. Yeah, you're they're, they're, really they're, assholes. Right. Yeah, I didn't want to swear in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. <laughs> some real dodgy assholes. And I don't there. know, and they trawl. I think they trawl looking for trouble. And they do. They want the attention. You probably answer them back too good, and so it just inflames them. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I, I usually retweet really nasty things, and then people who like me go, who are, are angry we'll go anyway, yeah. will go after go them. After them. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's a good well, technique. I, you know, I, I, it's there's some lot of unpleasant people that got too much time on their hands. <laughs> but make a lot of noise. You just need to look at the comments on videos as well. Those are, that's the forum for Isn't people. Isn't that the to worst? Make. Oh, for all those things, I don't read them at all anymore. But I have occasionally in the past read comments on videos that get posted, and most of them are great because people are there to enjoy and stuff. Yeah. But just get a few people who are determinedly just so antagonistic about them. It's you get that one horrible person that just they they're just they trying to be under three different names. Sharon had a death threat. Um, <gasps> Terrible. On YouTube on those comments. <gasps> this woman, this girl, had taken seven different identities and was posting and having conversations with herself about what? Uh, about how awful Pajama Club was and how Sharon Finn's got to die. Oh God, that's terrible. Awful, awful stuff. And um, we actually had to track her down because it just seemed a little unhinged and yeah. We did uh, track her down, and she's not doing it. Well, actually, she just started up again, but 
She's a long way away, thankfully. Well, Pajama Club is a great horrible, band. Horrible. Thank you. Also, I'm very proud of that. I'm for, very. I'm, I'm a big fan um, of that record. Yeah, we didn't sort of travel very far. We, we we were supposed to play in LA, but our keyboard player got horrendously sick, and we had to cancel touring. So yeah, it's the one. It's the one uh, actual uh, band of yours I haven't seen live. I mean, and and I've seen fucking every every shoot. I've seen fucking alt. <laughs> well, that's my brother. I know, but every but yeah. every well, associated, you that? <laughs> every associated, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, yeah. all of them. You know, I, I've seen the, everyone. Um, there may come a time we, we probably will reprise that at some point. But um, we is, is that separate from Finn Brothers? Yeah, yeah. There's just I'm just spending my life creating new entities to confuse people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the. It seems to be the mission statement. And beautiful music. Because those oh, albums are great too. The Finn Brothers albums are great. I'm Disembodied really Voices those, is yeah. such a such a beautiful song. I think the first Finn Brothers record is uh, kind of up there in one of my personal favourites because it's we made it completely on our own. It just sounds homemade. It's got a lovely kind of yeah. un, unfussy feeling about it. And yeah. your voices are beautiful together. Well, we do sing well together and the family thing is you can't get that from anything else, anybody else. Yes. Yeah, we're actually working on some new music right now for a possible theater project oh that's great yeah that's great some good songs emerging well i can't wait to see that um because i've seen everyone except for pajama club i'm a neil finn completist well if you come to roundhead to record you'll do a little pajama club i will love that i will scream (laughs) how's that for an incentive that is a great incentive incentive will be there that's the greatest dangling carrot ever i know we're coming (laughs) we're coming um you your twitter is at neil malane finn yeah and our twitter mine you can reach me at margaret cho where can they reach you at Jimmy Shelter. Um, we are um, the Monsters of Talk. You can t- tweet us at Monsters of Talk. We are every Monday on SoundCloud.com and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we want to thank you so much, Neil Finn. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, go see him. And the new album coming Dizzy out. Dizzy Heights. Yep. February. Uh, February the seventh, I think. Here, yeah, or okay. something, maybe tenth. Well, probably. we will uh, we will hold this and we will actually put it out the day that the day before your record comes out, so oh, people can be brilliant aware of it and sim- come see you on tour. Perfect. And uh, you are my favorite, but you knew that. Oh, well, thank you, Margaret. We've had some good times. We have I've had actually appeared good times. on stage with you. Yes. I've read on stage. Yes. You, you had me read. I think you were, you were naked. I was naked. It, not particular. Was it at the time I was on stage? I couldn't remember. Uh, I was trying to recall. I was coming. You had come late that night, and you were doing something else, and then you came on stage, and I had actually just taken off all my clothes, yeah. and then you came on stage when I was naked, and then I actually had a penis on, and you I had took a great the penis merkin off. As well from memory. Yes, it was, a, it was a penis merkin. Oh yeah. And then right. I took it off and I put it on the piano, and right. I requested Lester, although I couldn't talk. <laughs> Um, I think I wrote Lester down on a card or something, and then you played it, and you were unfazed by my nudity well, and my some, request. Something about walking in to Largo and being immediately on stage with Margaret Cho naked seemed perfectly normal and quite reasonable. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. Why would you think twice? You just do it, right? Yeah, it's well, normal. I have a chance to think twice anyway. Yeah, but, but it was it was great. It was it, you know you 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 have a very welcoming stage. Yes, I do. Well, thank you, Neil Finn. Thank you. And we love our listeners. We'll talk to you next time. All right.